Thank you for listening to the Identity House Ministries podcast. We hope you are encouraged and empowered by this week's teaching from Nate Lobdell, the outreach pastor at Chapel in Richmond, Virginia. I was sitting down and I was getting ready to go through the message that I had for y'all. And it was a message on rejection and, and one that uh, I worked on a little while ago that I, that I really love. But I felt like God, uh, in the midst of all, like, and not even because I feel like there's there's so many coronavirus messages right now. <laughs> like, so it's not even that. But it, but it does stem from just like our current situation, like our current just season and, the, and just like the atmosphere of the world right now. And I felt like God was just talking to me and, and in the season even that I'm in as someone that's like an outreach pastor that, that for a living I reach out to people. Like that's what, that's what I do. Um, I feel like God was, has been calling me into the stillness of, of how he has kind of hit pause on the entire world right now. And so um, the word that he gave me literally yesterday afternoon, and it was so cool because I even got to work on it uh, listening to y'all's live stream of worship. So like I was listening to y'all worship and like writing this message. Um, but it, it, what it is, it's just about outreach and it's about evangelism, um, but about how God is equal parts calling us to go and calling us to be completely still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I want to teach on a little bit tonight. Um, to, to open, I want to just, I want to share a little more about myself. Uh, so my mom is, uh, is a New Yorker. My whole family, other than myself, they were all born and raised in New York. I was born here in Richmond. Um, all my, I have four sisters. My mom, they're all from New York, and they're all a little rough around the edges. I love you. If you're listening, you are. Uh, <laughs> And so they're all like a little rough and they're just like that, that rugged, like New Yorker type, as you can imagine that, that just, um, that way about them. And then you have my dad, right? Uh, my dad is from Mississippi. Um, Aww. yeah. So like, <laughs> right? and to make it even more opposite, he is the only, oh, the only child in, in his family that was born in Mississippi. The rest of them were born in France. Oh. So now you have this Mississippi Frenchman who's now married this like this New Yorker woman, mm. and they're just like total opposites. They're not together anymore, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> they were such opposites. They're just two extremes of like the side, and, and you put those two things together. And I'm telling you that because I, I got to thinking about just like God and how I think we see evangelism and we see outreach as two extremes. Mm. I think that when we think about hey, what does it look like to like share the gospel? I think that we see it from two different angles. Uh, one is like mega aggressive. One is like you're, you're like, you're, you're out in the street and you're yelling and you're like screaming at people and it's like hellfire and brimstone, like turn or burn, man. And like, you know what I'm saying? That's super aggressive. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. But like, that's like one side. When I think about like sharing the gospel, I see that. And then I also see like the super soft, like loving, like someone, you ever had someone walk up to you in the store that's just like, you met my Lord and Savior. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, and like so soft and so sweet. Um, and both of those are, are okay. But I'm constantly just seeing like these two, especially like you like watch any Christian movie, like any Christian movie, you're going to get one or the other. There's never a middle. Um, and I think that God is like equal parts aggressive and gentle, and we should be too. I think that like you can be aggressive. You can seek people out in a way that is very aggressive and, and very like demanding the way that Jesus did all the time while also still being like very gentle and meeting people where they are um, and not overwhelming them uh, with their sin, not overwhelming them with like things that are truth, but being able to be like emotionally intelligent enough uh, to feel people out in that in that moment of sharing. Yeah. So we have to be we have to be aggressive in seeking out our community, but we should be kind and able 
to meet people where they are. And so with that said, hey, I want us to turn, and we're, this is where we're going to kind of camp for most of the evening. Uh, we're going to be in Isaiah 35. Yes. Come on. Love Isaiah. Yes. Come on. Let's do it. Isaiah 35, 3 through 7. And even just more, more background about this message, like, it's just so cool yesterday. And I love that I'm getting to, like, teach you guys something that I didn't get to sit on for, like, four weeks. <laughs> because, like, sometimes when you get, have a chance to just sit on it and unpack it and, like, rearrange it, like, this is something that God is just, like, teaching me. And so I'm just pumped that you guys get to come down that, like, rabbit trail with me because that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Isaiah 35, 3 through 7, says it says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Save those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense, I'm sorry, I always mess this word up, recompense, thank you. Yes. You know, I actually went on Google and hit the little like sound button so they could tell me how to say that, <laughs> still messing up. Recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Uh, then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Uh, the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Let me just pray real quick. God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for this word. God, I just pray, Lord, that your, that your words, God, that this scripture, God, that it just comes alive tonight. God, I pray, God, that, that you are seeking us in this room. You are in this place with us, God. And so I pray, Father, that, that you would just kind of seek our hearts, God, and that, and that we would hear what it is that we need to hear from you today, God. That we know that you are equal parts aggressive and you're seeking us like an aggressive, loving Father does, God. And you are also meeting us right where we are um, as we need you to in a soft and gentle and loving and kind and compassionate way, God. So, Father, I just pray over this night, God, I pray over this word, God, that it would come completely from you, Father. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So I was sitting and I was, I was unpacking and, and God really just had me go line by line uh, through, through this scripture. And as I was unpacking it and even looking at it, and so just a little, even a little bit of context. So in Isaiah 35, a lot of this prophecy can kind of be broken down threefold. A lot of it is looking at when you come out of 34, you're unpacking end times, you're unpacking Armageddon. And so like this message is looking towards the end times. Uh, and the, you're coming out of 34, which is all destruction. And so then coming into 35, there's a lot of God and, and what he's going to do after the destruction has happened. Um, but then you can also kind of, in, in a threefold way, you can look at it and you can take it from from the prophecy over Judah and then a prophecy over salvation with Christ and, and where we are now. And then so it's kind of like, the way I've looked at it is that it's kind of three-part, even though a lot of the context of it is, is sitting in Isaiah 34 and 35 for the end times. Um Man, I was looking at, at, at verse 1. It says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Um, and when I, when I saw strengthen the weak hands, I, I had this thought. We use our hands to work with. Those with weak hands are not working for the Lord as they should. Mm -hmm. Those with weak hands are not. God wants to strengthen our hands. Mm -hmm. When I think about outreach, when I think about evangelism, I, I think about the things that we do, right? The things that we are actively going out and, and we're seeking people where they are, we're we're, we're performing outreach, we're, we're, we're feeding the hungry, we're, we're taking care of the sick, like we're, we're doing these things. And those are, those, are, those are doer activities that we have. When we think about hands, like, and, and this is funny because not everyone with working hands has working hands, mm -hmm. right? But when I think about like a working hand, I used to work in construction. And so when someone would shake my hand, you can feel the calluses all over their hands. Yeah. 
you can feel like just just that they have a worker's hand. That doesn't mean that if you don't work in construction, you don't have calluses on your hands. You're not a hard worker. Yes, you are. <laughs> I, I declare it in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at, at a hand, like in a, a, a worker's hand, like the calluses, like it, it describes what it is that someone has done. And I think that God is calling us to the same thing. I think that God calls us to a place where when it comes to our work, like how can, what are people seeing? When it comes to like what we've done uh, in the name of Jesus, what we've done in, in outreach or evangelism and sharing the gospel, like what are the signs that we have strengthened our hands for the Lord's, uh, for the Lord? And so I think that we, we live in a culture right now that is a very like consumeristic culture. Um, I know that the, the Western and just civilized church uh, is, is very consumer driven. Mm-hmm. Everybody is wondering, like, hey, what can I get for myself? Like, forget even the church, just the world in general. Everyone is just out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And we need to go from being consumers to producers. Mm-hmm. We need to go from always needing to consume everything to, to being able to produce for the Lord, right? Yeah. And, that, and I want you to hear this, too, because this isn't, like, a shame thing. This doesn't mean, like, hey, we need to do more because we need to, like, check these boxes. And, and like, like, I've lived that life. I've lived the life where I'm, like, constantly trying to do more for God. But I do see God saying, hey, strengthen the weak hands. Strengthen the weak hands. And as I'm reading that, I'm like, man, we have to strengthen our hands by doing the work of Mm -hmm. the Lord. We have to strengthen our hands so that we can do the work of the Lord. But before we can even do that, I love the next next part of that verse says, and make firm the feeble knees. Look, we use our knees to to both to, to progress with and to pray with as well. So those with feeble knees are not progressing with the Lord and praying uh, the way that they should. So before we can even do work for the Lord, uh, we have to we have to get on our knees and pray. Mm-hmm. And so this is something, man, that this guy Matt can attest that like you would have met me two years ago. I would sit here and I would preach you an entire message on strengthening your hands, so you can go out and do all the work in the world. And I would never actually talk to you about um, seeking God in quiet, yeah. seeking Him in secret first. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, man, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Because the truth is, look, is that you can't walk, uh, if, if you can't walk, what good will your hands be? Yeah. If you can't walk, like what good are your hands if you, if you can't even get around? Right. And so just, just looking at this and knowing that God is calling us into a place of, of prayer, and the truth is there's nothing more important than ministering to the Lord through worship and prayer. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, we could stop right there. <laughs> we could stop. We could have, like, had worship tonight and just been done. And just called it because there's nothing that God is calling us to more than just spending time in his presence. Than just sitting and getting close to him. And so for me, I know that I have so often just gotten wrapped up in like the doing culture of our, of our world. Which like, and, and it's right. And the reason that we even talked about like the equal parts of God is because we have to understand that God, um, God like equals us out. But a lot of times we fall to like one side or the other. A lot of times we get wrapped up in like, hey, how much can we do? And if I'm sharing the gospel with everyone that I meet, and if I'm doing every outreach, and if I'm feeding all the sick in the, in the entire city, I'm doing all these things. But guess what? If, like, if you don't have the other side of that where you're pressing into God, then what good is it really? Yeah. What good are we actually doing um, if we're not drawing close to him? Uh, last Monday, I was, uh, we had the news of like, you know, the governor comes out and says that schools are shutting down. And for like a father of three, that was like crazy because <laughs> now my kids are not going back to school and I want them to, um, <laughs> but like schools are shutting down and then like, you know, people are like losing their jobs. 
and like all these things begin to happen um, that were already happening, but it just felt like it was like getting so much worse. Mm-hmm. We got a call, like my wife was, was laid off temporarily until mm-hmm. things can turn back around. And for some reason, like Monday just turned into this massive day of stress for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I pride myself on being someone that can like handle a lot. Mm-hmm. Like when like hard stuff comes, I can think through it, I can stop and I can like, I can like get myself straight enough to be able to like figure out the solution of what I need to do. Um, but for some reason that like was not my day. And, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to even like with our church, I'm trying to be like the very best outreach pastor ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching 30 other churches all over our city and I'm watching what everyone's doing and I'm seeing that they're doing this and, and they've started feeding these people and they're here, they're here. Like all these different things are happening. And I started really getting in my head. Like I started really just kind of like getting super overwhelmed with the fact that I wasn't doing as much as everybody else was doing. Or that like I hadn't given this opportunity or I hadn't gone and done this myself. Um, and so the whole day Monday, I was like totally wrapped up in my own head. And then I got to a place where like it started just turning into massive anxiousness. Because now I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking thoughts about like even like my kids. I'm like, now my kids are home. And like, have we been praying together daily? Because they've been out of school. And like, have I been spending time with my wife? Like, what is this? And so all of a sudden I have this like laundry list of how to, like how to be a good Christian, of how to like serve my family, of, of how to be the best Nate Lobdell ever. And I can't achieve any of it. Like it's all just there. It's just a list now. And there was like three hours in that day where I just got like so overwhelmed with the anxiety and, and something just being totally like transparent with y'all. When I get like, just attacked in that way with anxiety. I get like really cold and I'm like a hot natured person all the time, (laughs) (laughs) but I get super, I get super cold and I like shook for like three hours. Like I was like, so I was that anxious. Like I let this like come over me in such a way. Um, that night I got invited. There's a prayer house down in Scott's edition. Um, and right now they're doing 21 days of prayer and it's 24 hours a day. And so there's always someone there doing a watch. There's always someone there seeking and just getting after God. Um, and I got invited last minute to go from 3 to 5 a.m. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But I knew, like, I'm like, yeah. I was like, great set. Like, middle of the night. No wonder no one's available. Um, <laughs> but I got invited, and, um, and it, was, it was awesome because what happened was I knew that, like, I knew I needed a mountaintop moment. I, I sat in a parking lot for an hour that day trying to like press into God, trying to like pray, trying to read the scripture, trying to worship. And I couldn't like, I physically was like trapped. I couldn't get myself out of this moment. Mm-hmm. But that night I went and, um, and I just sat before God and, and I went with my list and God was like, you better leave that at the door. Mm-hmm. You leave your list at the door because I don't want to hear any of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, all I want you to do is I want you to sit here. And I want you to praise me and I want you to worship and I want you to press into me and I want you to forget about all the things that you think that you have to do yeah. to like please me. Right. And so I went in this room for two hours and, um, and it was so amazing because I didn't do anything. <laughs> I sat there quietly and, and, and I walked around a little bit and I, and I laid on my face <laughs> the way that he was calling me to. Um, and what happened was that I had this moment where I saw just the feet of Jesus I was just, I was literally like laying down. It's me and two other people are in the room and I laid down and I had my eyes closed and I just had this vision of just the feet of Jesus. That was all I could see. I couldn't see his legs. I couldn't see his face, his hands. I couldn't see anything. I just see his feet. Um, and I had this word he spoke to me. He said, uh, the feet will move once we sit still enough to hear the marching orders. Mm-hmm. And it just crushed me. 
because I realized what I had been doing was I had been moving at such a pace, constantly going, 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 constantly trying to uh, not only just please the Lord, but also just, just be such a doer um, that I wasn't even hearing what it is that he wanted to do. And what he showed me was that if I would just sit still long enough, like not only would he give me the marching orders for what it is that he's calling me to do, right? How to strengthen my hands and how to be the worker and all those things, but he would actually just put it in my lap. It's been incredible because the rest of this week has been exactly that, where I'm just going, hey God, I'm going to just pull completely back. I'm not going to be irresponsible. I'm not going to like stop working, but I am going to, I am going to like give this over to you and let you be the one that like gives me the marching orders. Right. And it's, it's been incredible because what has happened is that all the things that I was trying to accomplish, God has just done for me yeah. the yeah. whole week. We can talk about it all night. We don't have time. But <laughs> all, all week, God has just been like, hey, I'm going to strengthen your hands and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you to work. I'm going to call you to share the gospel. I'm going to call you to a place where, where you're going to get to go to work. But I wasn't going to allow you to do it until your knees were strong enough for you to get there. Mm-hmm. That's good. We keep going, Isaiah 35, 4. goes on to say this. It says, Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense. 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 Come on. <laughs> I'm just going to make y'all say it every time. Recompense of God. He will come and he will save you. Look, now I think more than ever, uh, we have to be bold in that truth. In our work, uh, we have to be bold in the truth. We're looking at, right, coronavirus. Uh, fear, anxiety, depression, addiction. Um, one thing that stuck out to me so much was as the governor was talking about like what was to come in the, in the weeks to come, mm-hmm. he sat for a second and he just listened and he was like, and, and get ready because anxiety is going to skyrocket and fear and, and alcoholism and addiction and, and divorce and, mm-hmm. and, and like all these different things. And then he just moved on. And I'm not, we're not here to talk politics, but like, he just said those things, and then he just was like, "Hey, and so here we go." And like he just moved, and I was like, "Man, I just sat back and was like, man, like that just got spoken out into the world, and we're and we're yeah, and we're seeing that. Like we are seeing those things happen. But I, that has just been a call in my heart, and I hope for you guys as well that like now more than ever we have to like just be a light." We have to be the ones who can say, like in Isaiah, to say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Like, we get to say that. We get to, like, tell people that truth. And in the world that we're living in, like, we thought it was bad, like, two or three weeks ago. But now we're in a place where, like, even more so than ever, God is saying that, that we are the ones that get to, like, declare that to the world. And, like, the governor got up and, like, said what was going to happen, but he couldn't offer a solution. And, like, we are the solution. We are the workers. We are the ones that get to go out and, like, declare this to a world that has no idea, like, how to respond or how to react. Of course, that word that I have a hard time pronouncing, recompense. uh, You do it. Yo. Here's what's even better is that we're actually going to talk about it. Um, We're actually going to like dig dig into it a little bit. The Hebrew word for that word is easier to pronounce, and that is gemul. Uh, (laughs) For me, anyway, it's less syllables. It's less syllables. Uh, Gemul is this. It means treatment, an act of good or ill, by implication, um, services of requital as has served, a benefit deserving that which he hath given a reward. 
I was sitting there on that word because I couldn't pronounce it, and so obviously I knew God didn't want me to move on, so I can't. <laughs> I still can't. Um, but I love that, like, with the recompense of God, it means, like, with the reward of God. With, with what he has given, he will come and save you. Um, as he served, like, his benefit, with the benefit of God. I couldn't stop, like, unpacking the silly word because God, like, man... A lot of times like, I get caught up on like the teaching that like I'm not I'm not worthy of God or that like I'm not I'm not good enough for God and like there's truth in that right like I think we know like the scriptures can lead us down that that road to know that like no necessarily I'm not and it's kind of a paradox because then I like I look at this word and I see like this act of good from God and it says as I served a benefit deserving like that word can be translated as deserving with deserving of God he will come and save you and that like that like shook me yesterday because I was like man I'm like deserving of God to come and save me because everything in the world actually tells us that like we're not everything says that we're not deserving of what God has for us um and there's truth in that. Like, I'm not saying there's, that there's not, but there's also, that's what I'm talking about, these equal parts of God where it's like, I'm, I'm equally undeserving as much as I am deserving because I don't think that God would do anything if he didn't think we were, like, deserving of it. I don't think that God would do anything if he didn't think that we were worth doing it for. And how can we possibly, like, keep that to ourselves? How can we possibly, like, not share that with the world in a time where everyone is just completely overrun by fear, where everyone is a complete hot mess. How can we not like share a gospel that says, hey, you are deserving of a God to come and save you. Like even though you don't know it, and even though you have no idea that he loves you, even though you have no clue who he is, he says, because you're the fearful hearted that, that you should be strong and do not fear because he's gonna come with vengeance and he's gonna come and save you because you deserve it. That's like a crazy thought, right? Like. We can and we can choose to share either of those gospels. We could go out and say, "Hey, you don't deserve it," but he's going to do it anyway. But I think that's part of that like emotional intelligence, right? <laughs> of like, "Hey, how do you how do you share the gospel, and and how are people going to receive one or the other?" And so, just thinking about that, like we have an opportunity in front of us to go out and be the workers and and to go out and to share a gospel to the fearful hearted in a time where everyone is covered in fear. And I'll tell you this, just a little rabbit trail. People, people are scared who have a lot to lose. The ones that don't have anything to lose are not scared. So I was down in the city last, last Friday. Um, we do an outreach on Thursdays. We couldn't because of everything. And I'm walking around and I'm talking to like, we serve like three to 500 people. Probably like during the colder months, it's like 90% homeless. During the warmer months, it's like 50-50. Um, but as I'm walking around, I'm talking to a lot of like the homeless community that we hang out with. I'm talking to them, and they're like full of joy. It's like the best day ever. They're like, "Yeah, good man, how you doing?" And like everybody was so happy, and I'm like, I'm with I'm with our friend Charlie, and I'm like, man, I'm like Charlie, like I thought everybody was afraid right now. I thought everyone was full of fear, and he was like, well, they don't have anything. They're not losing more. They've already, they don't have anything. Yeah. And I was like, man, how good is that? How good is that? And I'm not I'm not trying to say like it's it's good if someone's lost their job. It's not. Or if, if they're facing losing their house, like, no, like, those are big things. But how good is it that, that the whole world has had to lose its distractions? Mm. Right. The whole world has had to lose its entertainment. Yeah. The whole world has had to lose its busyness. Mm. And God is now putting everything on hold and hitting pause to a place where, where because they don't have any of that, 
they're going to, and they will be forced to hear the voice of God in like yeah. the most clear way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like now is our chance too, because us as like we're all called to be evangelists, maybe not like in the fivefold ministry of it, but like we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share the gospel, and so as we do that, we're actually we have we are in a moment in time where we get to share the gospel. Uh, with an entire world of people who are forced to listen because they don't have anything else better to do. (laughs) And everything is so much quieter than it's ever been in their entire life that like now we get to go out and we get to share with a world um, that is sitting still. And so like, man, I just look at this and like I get passionate about it and I'm like, that's why I'm so pumped to even teach this to y'all because I'm just like ready. I'm ready to work, but I'm also ready to like do absolutely nothing. I'm ready to like work, but I also, when God says, hey, you better just sit still and press into me, like I'm ready to do that as well. And, and they, they come together, they're equal. All right, let's keep going. Isaiah 35, five through seven says, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. Um, in the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. Look, when God's salvation comes, miraculous power comes with it. it, is a, it, is, it it's a miracle for the blind to see, for the deaf to hear, for the lame to run, and for the mute to speak. But when he will come and save you, he does it with miraculous power. And so here we are again, like we have an opportunity to walk in the miraculous. And people are going to listen they're going to watch and they're going to experience it because they're not distracted like even when we were praying with people on friday it's like when we're praying things over people that are miraculous that only god can like clearly do in his authority we're praying them with expectation and people don't have anywhere to go so they're like they're willing to like allow it to happen they're willing to stand in there and, and, and and let you pray that authority out the power and authority is given to us uh, to provide for others. And and we get to call our shot because we don't have to fear when we do. I love like I love Babe Ruth. I think Babe Ruth's just amazing. I love the history of Babe Ruth because I love a guy that would walk up to the to the plate and he'd call a shot. He'd point, right? And then he'd swing and he'd crush a home run. I think his stats are actually really bad when you get down to it. <laughs> but the the pictures we the stuff we actually have of him. He called a shot, right? He said, This is what I'm gonna do, this is how I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And I love that about like the authority that God gives us in the miraculous because we get to go and call our shot and it, it's not on us. Yeah. It's not like it's, when we go up and we pray the miraculous over someone, when, when we're laying hands, when, when we're seeking God for healing on someone else's behalf, we don't have to worry or fear because it's totally on God. Right. Yeah. But we do a lot of times, right? We get, we get caught up in our own minds. We get caught up in our heads. Like, hey, what if God doesn't do what I believe he's going to do? Yeah. Or, hey, do I actually believe that God is going to? Or, hey, if the healing doesn't come, how am I going to look? Or, mm-hmm. or what are they going to think of God? And we get wrapped up in those thought cycles. And I've seen, I've seen like one too many thousand times people that apologize for God before he's had a chance to actually do anything. Mm-hmm. I've been a part of so many prayer circles where we're like, all right, hey, we're going we're gonna to pray for you. And, man, we're going to expect that God is going to heal. Come on, get after it. And we start laying hands and everyone's praying. And then one by one, people are like, man, God, would you just heal this person right now, God? We just believe you're going to heal them right now, God. But if you don't, God, but if you don't, and it's like, it's like, man, it's such a cop-out. Mm-hmm. It's a cop-out because you're just covering yourself. 
You're just making sure that, hey, just in case the God that I say is going to do this doesn't, because I don't know if I really believe he is, like, just in case, I'm going to just throw that in there. And I've been a part of that so many times. And it's okay. And there's no, sh- there's no, like, there's no shame here. I've done it. I think most have had a moment of just, like, uncertainty. Totally, we're human. Like, that's fine. But what's amazing is that when we start to realize that, like, we have opportunity to pray this over people and we have an opportunity to call the shot because it's not up to us. Right. We're just expected just to just be obedient, to just be out praying for people, to just see people hear that little voice of God. I heard someone say one time that any time that you hear the voice of God speak to you and tell you to pray for someone, you can always guarantee that it is the voice of God. Because I know for myself, you you get in, uh, you know, I get in line at like food line. I love food line. (laughs) I get in line at food line and and God's like, hey, you should offer to pray for this person. And I'm like, well, was that me or was that God? Was that the enemy? And I just started bringing that through my head. And then the next thing you know, I'm putting my groceries in the car and I've left. Like, because I don't know, I don't don't know, like, was it actually God? Was Like, here's the thing, like, we don't have the capacity in us to think that thought. We as, as, as a broken flesh we will not think those thoughts. God through us thinks those thoughts. The enemy will never tell you to pray for somebody. <laughs> so what else does that leave? It leaves the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all it leaves. And so in those moments where you have an opportunity, don't apologize on behalf of God. Seek him out and, and be obedient no matter how scary it is. Allow him to be the one that speaks through you. Uh, and don't second guess yourself. It goes on, water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Look, when we share the truth with fearful hearts, their circumstances, their desert, their wilderness goes from dry and destitute to gushing with springs of life and purpose. Christ came to fulfill the prophecy to offer salvation and so that through his name strongholds would be broken. And so that's physical, that's in the miraculous, that's in those things that God wants to take care of, but that's also uh, in, their, in, in their life in general when you have people that are, that are dying inside. And you have people that we see every single day, those people that we work with, those people that are in our sphere of influence, those people that, that we know that we have an influence over. Um, God wants to take them and, and he, wants to, he wants to give them a spring of life and purpose in their life. And what's incredible is that he gives us the opportunity to be, um, to be the one that comes and, and not that we give it, but that through us, we can give that to them. And we all have a sphere of influence, every single one of us. Has, has a job or a family or uh, or a college or whatever. Like every single one of us has a spirit of influence. And I, and I bet if we went around the room right now, everyone could name someone that in their spirit of influence needs purpose, needs, needs a spring of life, needs to be brought back to life that only Christ can offer. Through his name, the dead would hear, the blind would see, the lame would leap, and the mute would cry out praises of joy. Um, the most attractive thing that we can provide people with is the presence of God. That's it. There's nothing else more attractive than the presence of God. And working in a church world like what I work in, um, and, and this is not like speaking any kind of ill towards like big church or anything like that by any means, but you see a lot of people trying to present something people trying to create something and you take gifts and talents and people are able to do that. And it's amazing. Like it's incredible as long as it's continued um, to not be an idol and, and to be something that's, that's, that has God, God's hand on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the most attractive thing that we can ever like present people is the presence of God. And I think that when we get in the way a little bit, when we start to, 
put our own twist on it or put our own spin on it and it's and it's not with God like in charge and it's not God leading the way then like that's where we start to get in a little bit of trouble because I know that for me I want things to be like excellent Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and sometimes God just calls me to just to just share Mm -hmm. sometimes God calls me to just to just put the gospel out there and yet I try to put my spin on it or I'm like man maybe I know better like maybe I like actually could do this a little bit better than God is telling me how to do it and the truth is like we know like that's never the case never the case the most attractive thing we can provide people with is the presence of God Mm -hmm. it is the gospel goes on, the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. I love that. The parched ground shall become a pool. Actually, I wanted to read this to you guys. I was studying this this word yesterday, and, and I just found this take on this, and I just want to read it to you. It's from uh, Harry uh, Boltema. It says, the word translated parched ground actually means mirage air reflection, an atmospheric phenomenon frequently seen in eastern deserts, which is caused by the reflection of the hot rays of the sun. Now the prophet brings the glad tiding uh, that what used to be a mere semblance and an illusion will one day become a glorious reality. I just love that because I think that that even can go, you can even tie that to what I was just talking about in terms of like what's real and what's not. Like let's provide people with the real thing. Let's not give them a mirage. Let's not give them like a false reality or, or our made up version. Like let's give people the real thing because nothing is going to bring people to Christ like the real thing, like Christ will. Nothing yeah. is more attractive. Nothing is going to, to uh, I even think sometimes we, we get to this place where we're like, if, if, it's, if it's too much God, it's too scary. If it's, if it's not enough God, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I give them, like, too much, if we're a little too worshipy, a little too outspoken about the miraculous or the spirit, that's going to turn people off. Or then you have this other side where it's like, well, if it's too much religion, if it's if it's too much, you know, Bible, then we're just Bible thumpers. Like, no, no, no. There's nothing. Let's put all that together and, like, preach a real gospel. Let's not give them a mirage. Let's not give them, like, the, the fake thing. Let's give them the real thing. I wrote this down. We have to allow our hearts to be broken for the broken so that the broken can be healed. Mm-hmm. We have to allow our hearts to be broken for the broken so the broken can be healed. Um, a little bit of just my testimony is uh, before I went into ministry in the church, I worked uh, construction for like 13 years. And it was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, I started working when I was young, 16, yeah, 16 years old. Uh, my now wife's uh, she was my girlfriend then her mom hired me for her company worst decision ever never work for your in-laws if you do, I apologize it's okay it gets better but went into construction for 13 years and I'm telling you I, I prayed I prayed like every day that God would deliver me from the construction life I hated it and it wasn't even the work. Like, I didn't mind the work. It was, it was the people. I hated who I worked with. I hated, like, the, the blue collar, just rough. Like, the fact that you can, you can walk into a place at 6 in the morning and you're already cussing at me. It is too early. It's too early. Like, everybody's so angry. And it was just like, man, all the time. And so for years, for over a decade, I worked in that environment. Um, and then one day, here's what happened is that 
I was getting ready to walk into work and I was sitting in my truck and my quiet time was always just on the way to work. I'd sit and just pray and just talk to God and ask him to deliver me from construction. (laughs) (laughs) Not even getting like every day. And that day God, God just like spoke to me and he was just like, maybe you should change your attitude. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should change your, your posture here. Maybe you should pray for those um, that I've given you influence over. And so for the first time that day, uh, I prayed a prayer that was just simple. I just said, hey, God, if it's your will, would you send me someone today? Would you just send me someone that I could talk to? Whatever that looks like, God, I want to I be an influence for someone today. And that day, I went through my day. We worked 7 to 4. It was probably 3.55. It was the very end of the day. And I had it in my mind because I asked. I'm like, I asked you. you. You put that on my heart. I think maybe, maybe not. But like I went to you and I asked you, give me someone. At 3.55, one of our project managers um, walks into my office, and he, is, he had been at the company like the longest out of anybody. The guy's been there forever. Comes to my office, closes my door, and says, hey, man, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, yeah, sure. We sat down, and he said, um, I've watched you, you with your family. I've seen the stuff you do with your church. Um, I see how you treat people here at the company. Um, my home is falling apart. My wife, my children everything. He was like, and whatever it is, man, like, I'm gonna get emotional. I've told this story a thousand times. I'm gonna get emotional talking about it. Whatever it is that I've seen in you is something that I want. Mm-hmm. He was like, and I think it's Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, 355. <laughs> <laughs> and so we sat right there in my office that day and he got saved. Wow. And then a few weeks later, like he, he started coming to the chapel. He got baptized. Like wow. it was amazing. Wow. Like it was so cool. Um, and so every day I started to pray that prayer. I stopped praying, God, get me out of here. And I started, mm. I started praying, God, send me here. Like, That's give so me more and more and more. And I'm telling you, every single time I pray that prayer, God would send me someone. And so now your people are getting healed in my office. People are, people are coming to Christ. People are getting baptized in my church. Like, it was crazy. To the point that I would not pray that prayer if I was not feeling it that day. <laughs> like, I'd be like, all right, God, I need a day off. I'm not going to talk about it today. He didn't care. He still sent him. <laughs> And it actually got me to this place in, in my life where my heart was so broken from my workplace now that like I was like in love. Like I loved it. And then what does God do? God God tells me that I'm leaving. <laughs> God tells me that I'm gonna go into ministry and I'm gonna go work for the church. And I had like a really hard time. And I started putting stipulations on God. I started I started telling God, Hey, I'm not leaving until everyone here gets saved. I'm not I'm not leaving until everyone in here has heard the gospel. I'm not leaving like I started like challenging God, which it probably wasn't the best, but um <laughs> Long story short in that is that what happened was that um, just a, a few short months before I ended up eventually leaving, um, we had a, a death in the company of someone's daughter, and multiple people from this family worked with us as well. And my boss came to me, um, he came to me that night after we had gone and, and, and done the viewing and, and walked with that family and everything, and he said, hey, and, and my boss, as far as I know, is not a believer. He said, hey, um, tomorrow morning I'm going to hold the entire company up and I want you to pray for the entire company. Wow. Everybody. Wow. He was like, I want, I'm going to give you the platform and I want you to stand in front of the company. I want you to pray for everyone because I think that we, we need you. And I was like, because wow. here I am praying, God, going, God, I'm not leaving until you have given me the chance to share the gospel with everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> here we go. Telling you. And so that next day, um, yeah, stood before that entire company and and got to pray over, got to pray over this entire room, and and I tell you that because, man, like I said, we have to allow our hearts to be broken for the broken, so the broken can be healed. Because what I what I saw was I saw God break my heart mm-hmm. for those 
that were already broken. And then I watched this massive, you talk about like revival, like that word, right? This revival happened in a construction office on Midlothian Turnpike. <laughs> like, this were, like it, it was there and it still happens. I said, these guys still call me. They still seek me out and, and we still have relationships. And so it's just like mind blowing what can happen when we change, when we change our entire just attitude um, towards, towards our situation, towards our influence. Um, James 1.27, just bouncing around a little bit, says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Look, what God sees as pure and faultless is for us to look after and seek out those uh, that are the most vulnerable in our community, right? And he's talking very specifically about, about orphans. He's talking very specifically about widows. We see all through scripture that, that God has a heart for the vulnerable in our community. He has a heart for the vulnerable and he gives us influence and, and he calls us to step in to the mud with them. What's great is that he doesn't just call us into like their dirt. He actually calls us not to get dirty. God like doesn't, God doesn't want us to, to go and get dirty with them and just lay and lay and get dirty and just roll around and, and just live there with them. No, he's like calling them out of that place. The same way that in my construction office, God didn't just call me to go and get stuck in their mess. He called me to a place where I could actually call them to him and he would ultimately deliver them from that. Jesus ministry did this all the time. What I love about Jesus is that uh, even on Jesus' way to like save everyone, he stopped to serve someone. So whatever our, like, sometimes we get stuck on the big picture, the big goal, the big thing, and we say, hey, like, I've got to go and, and do the big thing. I'm a big picture guy. I always have like a, a big just thing that I have to do. Um, Jesus did too. It was the cross. <laughs> and he knew what was coming. He knew where he was heading. But look at how many times he stopped. One by one by one by one by one. He was constantly serving people. He, he would always stop to make time. And I think we have to do the same thing. I think that we, we can't get caught up in the big picture so much that we're not serving the one. That we're not serving uh, the vulnerable. That we're not seeing the people that are hurting and that are messed up and that need Jesus more than ever. And now, like I said before, in the world that we live in right now, like today with this weird circumstances, this weird place that we're in, we, it is so visible. Like it is so visible before everything was so, so fast. I had this thought earlier about like slow motion video, it's just weird. Um, like you can't like see someone's mechanics when they run, if they run by you full speed, right? Mm -hmm. You can't see it. But if you take a video of them in slow motion, you can see the mechanics of how they do everything, mm -hmm. of how their body moves. That's the world we live in right now is that we can see everyone's mechanics right. before it was just they're gone yeah. but now everything is, is slowed down to such a pace that we can actually see people tonight when we were worshiping i decided in a moment just for whatever like that i wasn't going to sing because i wanted to actually hear the words i actually wanted to like hear what it is sometimes i think we call it in worship and we just sing the words but we don't actually know what we're saying yeah. Yeah. and it's the same thing god wants us to slow down enough seek people out but actually see them James 1.22, and then I'm, I'm almost there. Uh, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Look, don't be a hearer, but a doer of God's call on your life. This, I used to preach this, this verse all the time, and I used to like get, get into people's crap. <laughs> I used to like call, I used to call people out, and like, I, I look back and I'm like, man, I wasn't wrong, but I, my emotional <laughs> intelligence was not as high as it could have been. But I used to like, 
I, I'm, I'm a doer and I and I want to like do as much as possible. But like we've talked about tonight, God is calling us. Being a doer is two parts. It's this: it's being filled and overflowing. It's sitting still and being sent. So before you can overflow and you can be a doer, as in like going out and doing, you first have to sit still long enough for God to pour into you. And that's just as much doing. I think that we have just perverted the word do as, as in action, as in constant like movement, uh, outreach, all those things. God is saying, no, no, no. You have to, you have to sit still and be filled so that you can then overflow. Mm-hmm. You have to sit still so that you can be sent. And so I look at this verse totally differently because I'm like, man, th- it doesn't even specify like what it is you're, you're doing. <laughs> like, listen to the word. That means getting close. Matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Like those are all commands for what to do. And, the, and not all of them say, hey, go out and, and run the next biggest outreach. Go out and, and feed the world. Go out and do, 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 do. Those are all in there too. But we have to realize that like, I know for myself, I have like perverted the word do to be something where I constantly have to go. Where a lot of times God is saying, no, 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 I'm calling you right here. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Like that's a do. I need to go in my room. I need to sit still. I need to listen for him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I mean, how do I seek first the kingdom of God? How do I press in? to the Father in those moments. And I know y'all probably weren't expecting for the outreach guy to come in here and just tell you to sit still and be quiet. <laughs> but I'm realizing in myself, I'm like, man, there's so much more to this equation. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not just going out and doing everything that I possibly can to serve the world and to share the gospel. No, first I have to press in and, uh, and be close. I want to share one more story, and then I'm going to wrap up. I don't know what time we got or how we're looking. Good. Are we good? Yeah. Sweet. Um, we don't care. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> awesome. I know you can tell. I'm like I'm used to like looking at the clock in the back of the room. Like how much more time do I have? Girl? I love this. Um, so there's a story that I love to share. Um, there's this American evangelist, um, Mordecai Ham, and so he was an evangelist in the 1900s. They uh, they credit um, man, Billy Graham credits Mordecai with like he heard Mordecai's like sermons and he credits him with like with his faith which wow. is like massive. Um, there's a story about Mordecai. I don't have like all the legit details, so they don't hold me to like, but I know like the premise of, of what the story is. I don't know what state it was in or anything like that. Oh, but I love it. And the story is, is this, is that Mordecai Ham, he, was, he would travel and he would evangelize in different cities and things like that. He pops up in a city and um, his first day, he is out on the sidewalk and he is just full preacher. He's screaming at people. He's like on his knees. He's crying. He's like, you have to know my Jesus. You have to come to the Lord. Repent or perish. Come to know. Like He's like losing it on the sidewalks. And day after day, he would go out there and he would preach like that. And what happened was that the local churches, um, they got offended. And they were like, hey, this is, not how, this is not how we share the gospel. This is not how we do this. You're making people uncomfortable. And they didn't like it. And so they decided they were going to stop him. They were going to do something about it because he wasn't a part of their their like culture in their churches. Um, 
And what happened was that they decided that they were going to come together as a bunch of pastors. They, they were going to go confront him at his hotel. So they did. They got together. They went. They go to the front desk. They find out what room he's in. Uh, they go up to his room. And as they get to his room, uh, his door is cracked open a little bit. And they hear yelling coming in from inside. And so the pastors go and they push the door open. Um, and they see Mordecai on the other side of the room facing away from them. And he's on his knees and he's covered in sweat. And he's crying at the top of his lungs and he has a chair. And I like to think about a chair like this. It might have just been one like this. I won't exaggerate the story. <laughs> but he's, he's on the other side of the room and he's got a chair over top of his head. And he's crying out to God at the top of his lungs and he's just screaming. He's going, God, I will not put the, the weight of this chair down until I have felt the weight that you feel towards the world. I won't put this chair down until I feel the weight that you have felt towards your sons and daughters that don't know you. I will not put the, this, this will rest above my head until I have felt how you feel, God. Wow. And he just cried and cried and cried and, and, just, and just pressed into God in that way. And what those pastors did was what, what they should have done is they, they closed the door and they walked away. <laughs> and when the story goes is that when they, when they were asked later, when this story came up, like, hey, why didn't you confront Mordecai that day? Why didn't you say anything to him? Why didn't you call him out the way you said you were going to? They said, um, anyone that presses into God in private the way that Mordecai does can do whatever he wants in public. <laughs> anyone that presses in in private... That way, he can do whatever he wants in public. And the whole point of that story is that Mordecai Ham, he spent time and, and sought after God in the secret place in such a way that he could not withhold his emotion when he got out into public. He was so filled and overwhelmed by the Spirit of God yeah. that when he got out to the sidewalk, he's on his knees, he's crying, and he's begging people to come to his God because he knew him so intimately. Yeah. And so... That's like the whole premise of this entire message of what God has put in my heart for us is that we, we have to know God so intimately and private that it then sends us. We have, to, we have to firm up those feeble knees. We have to strengthen our knees by getting down on them and pressing into God mm -hmm. so much that then we go out and our hands can get to work. Mm -hmm. But not until then. Mm -hmm. Like they're equal parts. We serve an aggressive God who in his nature seeks people and, and goes after them but he is just as equally soft and, and, and private and, and ready to receive us mm -hmm. in his presence. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to this message on the Identity House Ministries podcast. If you are interested in finding out more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Identity House. We pray that today's teaching brings you in closer relationship with God the Father and empowers you to walk in your God-given identity.